Hello and welcome back guys. I'm Jojo Fraser. It's time for a Mojo Injection episode 58. I am so excited for this one. In fact, when I was asked last year when I was launching the podcast, so who do you want on it? What are your dream guests? And this guy, Mr. Gavin Oates, aka Freddie Mercury, he's going to hate me for saying that, um, was high on the list. I just love him. I love him. I love his quirky mind. I love his books. I love his motivational talk. He's a comedian, um, managing director of the Tree of Knowledge. He, who are doing amazing things in schools and companies, and it's all about mindset and positive um, psychology and energy and purpose and passion. So you can tell I'm absolutely loving it. You guys know me by now. I am so thrilled so many of you keep coming back and I'm delighted to give you so much mojo with Gav this week. I was looking to see where people are tuning in and whoa, it's gone global. You're all around the world. Oh, that makes me so happy. Where are you right now? Are you near a beach? Oh, hashtag jealous. Um, no, it's just amazing to know so many people are tuning in globally now and getting their mojo hookups. And you know, you can come here, you can pick and choose what you like. Some of it you have to be very open-minded. Hub said to me, man, you're too open-minded, love. You're a salesman's dream. I was like, chill out, right? I love people. You know, every time I meet someone, I am prepared to have a fascinating conversation. I am open to it. I'm like, hubs, we're vibing on different channels here, right? I'm on Radio 1 and you're just way on a different, like we're frequent with the frequencies. But apparently that makes for an amazing relationship. Hmm, go figure. Um, well, we're still together after 12. 12 have not killed each other. Has it been about 12 years? Um, yeah, but sometimes I'm like, can you just come on my frequency, boy? And he's probably like, get over it. And, you know, you're all welcome here. You might be sceptical. You might be an analyst like Mahabs. That's his profession. His job is to, to really, he would be a terrifying lawyer. I've heard him on calls. He is thorough. He doesn't miss a thing. And he's very, uh, he just questions things. I question things, but probably with a more open mind. And we're just different that way. So you may come here going, oh, this mindset stuff. I just don't know. I'm wary of it. Some weeks you may just be totally tuning in and feeling at all and some weeks maybe you know someone said to me oh one of your episodes last year was like giving me anxiety because the person on it was so like knowledgeable but it was almost like too many tips she was almost too knowledgeable and I didn't know which pieces of advice to take and I was like ah oh man I feel like that all the time like seriously um I've been a mental health researcher for five years now and it's not it's, I'm always going to do it it's my passion but sometimes I get so much information it's trying to really um work out what is true to my values what I really am happy to accept and if I'm not happy to accept things why um and that can be it can bring on a bit of anxiety and a bit of a strange mood so I feel you. Listen, this isn't, it's not always easy stuff. And that's why we sing at the end. Um, I didn't actually make Gav sing. I sang out one of his favourite songs from a friend show. Um, but Gav performs all the time. So I was like, let's just chill. I really want some chill time with you and your quirky mind. Um, oh, he's brilliant. So his books, Shine. Oh, come on, 
get it on. I always want to sing Take That. Um, I've underlined it so much. I love Shine with Dr. Andy Cope, the UK's happiness doctor. Um, he's written Diary of a Brilliant Kid. That was an instant bestseller. It's all over the place. My kids both have signed copies. Whoop, whoop. Um, and Zest has just been released. So if life's giving you lemons, oh, let's zest that puppy up. Um, Gav, congrats on the book. I can't wait to read it. Um, I'm so happy to have him on the podcast because he's a legend and I know you guys are going to get something from it. I know you are. Um, So just appreciate this time. Listen with an open mind and enjoy it. Just sit back or keep walking, running, trekking, whatever you're doing, driving, drive safe. Um, And just enjoy this time for you because you're freaking awesome. Judge less, love more, and let's keep spreading the mojo. Please give Gav so many stars he deserves. Five, 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 five. No fours, no threes, no twos, no ones. Five. Awesome. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. It's all right. It's amazing to have you here, and I am a massive fan of your books. Thank you. I think when I hear you give a keynote, it's a bit like a kind of Freddie Mercury, like, <laughs> takes to the I'm stage. taking it. I'm taking it. <laughs> I just want to be fabulous. Have you seen the, the part in the film when he says, I just want to be fabulous, darling? Yeah. I love it. Do you know, I love it? I think he, he is a hero of mine. Like, when when my son was born, um, you know, obviously you're discussing names for nine months, and we were set on the name, but I went to register his birth on my own. Risky, and, and it was a, this wonderful moment where the the lady in the, the registry office mm-hmm. uh, asked the question, um, "Does he have a, a middle name?" And I just had that moment where I was like, oh, "Like I could go to town here, and no one has to know." Yeah, I mean, it'll go on the certificate, but once it's there, it's there, and uh-huh. we don't have to tell anyone. Mm-hmm. I have to tell my wife; I'd be in a lot of trouble. But I genuinely thought about putting Freddie Mercury the second. And as a, a middle name. Not just Freddie. Or, no, oh no, that'd be really rubbish. <laughs> uh, so his name's Kean, and our surname's Oates. Originally I wanted to call him Optimus. So Optimus Oates sounds amazing. It's quite Only funny. in my mind. Um, but it could have been uh, Kean, uh, Optimus, Freddie Mercury II, Prime Oates. That's pretty cool. Mick Jagger, Flash, Pink Floyd. But you stopped yourself. Yeah, he, he didn't get that. But you do have a cat. <laughs> I have a cat called I have a cat called David Bowie. We call it Bowie, but its full name is David Bowie. I wanted to call it Bowie. My daughter wanted to call it Dave. We've got this beautiful piece of artwork of David Bowie in the house, and I said to her, "You know who that is, don't you?" And she was like, "That's David Bowie." And I was like, "David, about Dave Bowie." And she went, "Oh yeah." So we'll call him David Bowie, but we'll just call him Bowie. And she went, I love You're it. Right. Such, that's so yeah. cool. And he's got orange and he's got a wee bit of orange here. Not quite a lightning strike, but in my mind it's a lightning strike. Such a cute cat. It's the coolest cat and the cutest cat ever. Oh. Yeah. So no, but I, I love Freddie Mercury and I, I, I always have done. And I remember I remember watching the original Live Aid. Um, not not from the, the film, but the actual day in, was it 1984? Well, I, was, I was born in two, so... I mean, it's a long time ago, yeah. um, and I was just a kid, but I, I can remember it. And I remember, it's just when he comes on stage, it's the way he moves when he's holding the mic, and just that, he just gives off something extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, and uh, 
So to even be in the same sentence... So you'll take that compliment. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. I am nothing like Freddie Mercury, uh, but I would love... To some people you are. Um, I'll take it. Take it. I love him. Do we all want to be fabulous? Do we all want Do to be fabulous? Do you think we all want to be fabulous at something? Um, no. Do you not think? No, I don't think we all want to be fabulous at something. I think we all have a desire to be uh, accepted. Yeah. As or for something, uh-huh. which I think is different from being wanting to be fabulous. I think people have different ideas of what being amazing at something actually means. Yeah. You know, we all have different levels of contentment. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I've spent a huge amount of my life desperate to make it mm-hmm. in comedy. Yeah. But what, what, what does that even mean? Like, to make it. To make it doesn't... It doesn't... It doesn't like... I've actually written about this recently for something and to to make it is not a dream. Yeah. Because it doesn't mean anything. Because if you're trying to make it, that'll never end. Yeah. It's a bit like, you know, people talk about the chase of for happiness. You like if you're chasing happiness, you'll never get it. Yeah. Because it's now. Your yeah. happiness is now and it's being in the moment. I think I think having that dream and that goal to make it or to be fabulous, or to, it, again, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. So it's about... Yeah, like I think there's different levels of contentment. So... I don't know if that your question, but it's a no. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny because you were saying you can be quite a private person, but on the stage, you know, you just come to life. Yeah. So do you feel like, but you, part of you really needs to have that performance side where yeah. you're really getting people's attention, going, look, I've got something to say, and, and you're listening, and it's, yeah. yes. No, I do. I, I, I love being on stage. Uh-huh. Um, I struggle a wee bit off stage, though. Yeah. Um, you so... I did the fringe for years and years and years, and my goal from the age of, I don't know, 11, was to be on stage, was mm-hmm. to, like, I was obsessed with Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, I was obsessed with programmes like Bottom, with yeah. Rick Mail and Adrian Edmondson, um, Monty Python, and this idea of being able to be on stage as a character, yeah, um, wear silly costumes, say silly things, and make people feel great, like, really great, and really, like, laugh. Uh-huh. Um, but... Um, it was this it was this need to get up and try it it was almost like I had found a a group of people who were like me there was maybe a place for me so when I used to do the fringe Mm -hmm. um, I would be incredibly nervous yeah you you can do 26 nights in a row and I would stand backstage every night pacing up and down thinking what am I doing this is awful like I could be at home I could have my feet up I could be with my kids I could I could have a normal job um but as soon as you're on stage yeah. and you get that first laugh or that first gasp, this is why we do what we do. So I don't know if I I don't know if I have an absolute need to be on stage, but I love being up in front of a group of people where I know I'm able to have that positive impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if I go back further in my career, when I was a primary school teacher, mm-hmm. I was so nervous before the kids came in every day. Really? But then they, they then they turn up and it's like go yeah, and fine. you've got nine o'clock to half past three where you have to take them on this wonderful journey every day yeah. uh, and then they they would go out the door and I'd be like that was amazing I I'd bet wake up the next such a good teacher I hope so yeah I could see you I hope so. rocking it I actually met a former pupil the other day who's uh, <laughs> twenty five married with kids I was like oh my god oh. I taught her when she was in primary seven oh my dear so I felt extremely extremely grown up yes. meeting her but it was cool 
but you know, I, I, I hope I was a good teacher and I like to think I was um, there's something um, truly amazing about being a primary school teacher mm-hmm. it's a hard job though Oh, my mum said that. She was one for, well, 25 years, maybe a bit longer. She stopped work for 15 years to raise the three of us. Yeah. Um, but she would always say, oh, it's the hardest job, but yeah. so rewarding. Yeah, I think I think education in general at the moment, I think, I think I would go as far to say that the system at the moment, for all its positives, and there are a lot of positives, yeah. and for all the amazing teachers, and that is most teachers are amazing, I think, I think the system fundamentally is broken. Um, and I think... The pressure and the stress, not just on the pupils, but on the kids and on parents. Yeah, it's just huge. It's um, crazy. It's scary. I get messages all the time. Parents saying to me, like, my teenager's so anxious about exams. Can you recommend a psychologist or a book? Or yeah, it's chronic. Yeah, and we need to make changes. Yeah, I think so. Um, and my wife's a deputy head teacher of a high school, so I can see it from their side as well. And yeah, yeah it's a full-on profession to be a part of. Yeah. I'm. I love the fact that through our business tree of knowledge, we, we still work in schools, we still get to work with young people every day, both primary and secondary, we get to help teachers and parents, um, but, I, but being honest, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a teacher anymore. Yeah. There's bits of that I miss, but not many. It would be really hard, yeah. but that's amazing the work you do, and I think it, we just need to be positive rather than focusing on the negative side and all the stats and the anxiety, saying, well, look, what can we do, how yeah. can we turn well, this around? Well, there's already so much going on, I mean, the like I say, the, the vast majority of teachers are amazing. Mm-hmm. They're wonderful, caring, energised human beings who some might be a bit broken at the moment as they run into the summer the summer months, the, yeah. the summer holidays. Um, but there is good stuff out there and yeah. um, we just need to always be aware of that. Because I think a lot of parents, I think there's a lot of parents out there that don't understand mm-hmm. teaching. Yeah. Um, and do hear and see a lot of negatives, yeah. whether that's from their kids or the press. Um, but actually, teachers are amazing, and they are doing a good job. Yeah, mainly. Sometimes. Well said. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> so I've got so many things I want to talk to you about. Um, I think we should start with Shine. Cool. You are such a bit. Um, mm. So you've got a few songs actually with Shine in it. Well, jealous. Not many Mojo songs. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> I totally loved Shine. I, I made notes all over it. I scribbled. I told everyone about it. I just think it's great. And I love the story about you and Dr. Andy Cope. And, you know, he's this happiness doctor and you've admired him and his work. Yeah. And he's heard you speak. He thinks, wow, that's Freddie Mercury up there. I want to write a book with him. <laughs> and, and you've made it happen. That's yeah. so inspirational. Yeah. And uh, there's this funny part at the start of the book. Um, and Andy writes about, you, you'd said to him, he sent you some material and you said, is this your best work? And he was like, well, try my best. I'll, I'll go back. And, and then you asked him again and he's like, I'm trying my best. And then he was like, is it your best work? You're like, yeah. He's like, yeah. And you're like, okay, I'll read it now. And I was like, is this a true story or is it just a comedy? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it's, it's, um, it's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> oh, you're going to leave me hanging, aren't yeah. you? It, do you know, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun and, and we really didn't know each other at all. Right. We, like Even by the time we were writing the book, we really didn't know each other. Yeah. In some ways, we kind of still don't. Like We, we definitely know each other a lot better. Uh-huh. Um, but I I mean, I really, you mentioned that I really did look up to Andy. Like, I really admired him. He was a bit of a hero of mine. 
his book, The Art of Being Brilliant, um, and I know he's got, I mean, he's got dozens of books, including a lot of kids' books, like the Spy Dog series and so on, but mm-hmm. but The Art of Being Brilliant for me is a long, there's two, there's two books for me that I think really kind of switched me on to the whole personal development, self-help thing, and I'm probably using those terms quite loosely, and that was, firstly, Tuesdays with Maury, mm-hmm. uh, by... Uh, I was about to say J.M. Barry. It's not J.M. Barry, that was Peter Pan. Uh, Tuesdays with Maury was... Oh, it's terrible. What's I've, the guy's I'm going to add it to my reading list now. That is awful, because I'm a massive fan. Of anyway, <laughs> Tuesdays with Maury um, is a, a phenomenal read. Okay. But a close second for me was The Art of Being Brilliant. Oh, second. And the thing... Well, it was second only because I read it second. Ah, right. <laughs> um, Tuesdays with Maury was the first ever book I had read in that genre that made me... Well, at all, but it was also the first ever book that made me cry Aww. like made, and made me feel amazing at the same time. So it took me on a real journey. But then I read Andy's book and I was actually really pissed off. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah. of course. I, I, but I was I was really pissed off when I read it because it was my book. Yeah. Like, I should have written it. Because like, the way it was written, the language, the tone... A bit, a bit of comedy, some real deep stuff, but all mixed in. It wasn't cheesy. It wasn't mm. corny. It, I, I was pissed off. Yes, yeah. it, it was the book I thought about writing, and I remember thinking, "Who is? Who, who, who is, is this, he? Who's this arsehole? <laughs> um, and I, that's true. Uh, and then I and then I started to look into him a wee bit more, and uh-huh. so, oh my god, this guy's doing what I think I'm doing, but yeah. he's doing it on a different level. Um, and then I started to catch little bits of his talks online and things. And then one day, as it says at the start shine, we found out we were going to be speaking at the same event. Mm. Um, I was following him on Twitter. He had no interest, or that sounds a bit harsh. He didn't, he didn't know who I was, nor, nor should he have. Um, but I found out he was going to be speaking at the end, mm-hmm. closing keynote, and I was opening keynote. And I was gutted because I was going to have to leave because I had another talk to give at a different conference. And I thought, well, he's not going to rock up at 10 to 9 for a nine o'clock start because he's not on till four mm. who rocked up at ten to nine but Dr Andy Cope came to um, see you um, I like to think so he didn't um, but he and I he loved it and we laughed he or he laughed a lot but then we we sat and had lunch together and we laughed a lot and mm-hmm. he just kept asking all these questions about what we do and what I do and we just clicked That's and brilliant. I kind of joked about writing a book and he didn't really respond and I was like shit <laughs> blew that one um, but over time, the communication upped, and then he eventually said, "Right, go and send me, go and send me some stuff." Um, and I sent him some stuff initially, uh, and uh, the rest is history. So exciting! Such yeah. a good book. So well done. I love it. I actually read it um, not that long ago. I read it from start to finish again because I needed. To, I was trying to find something, mm-hmm. and I ended up just reading the whole thing again. Yeah. And I know it makes me sound like a total arsehole, but no. I think it's brilliant. Like, yeah. I absolutely love it. And I think we've written a book that is, I passionately believe it's one of the best self-help books out there. And I'd agree. And, I, and I, I'm really proud of it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, and there's so much you can take from it because I think we all want happiness. We don't want uh, to be patronised either because it's, yeah. it's like, yeah, we can be so happy and shine and... That's great, but there's a lot of issues out there. We all struggle with our mental health. Um, I just, I just love the way, like the things you speak about plot twists, and I totally relate to that. Like trying to have a joke of someone, 
not joke, but put a spin on it as something like if you're rejected, you go, yeah. well, actually, that means someone better is going to come. Yeah, or absolutely. Just trying to tell yourself that, yeah. even though your ego is kicking in and saying, oh, why do you? And it's very easy to get defensive. And why yeah. don't they like me? And oh. Yeah. And it's, it's important that we teach that from a young age. I mean, my, I had this exact conversation with my son yesterday. He... He's des- he was desperate to be house captain mm-hmm. in his primary school next year because they're starting to get ready for the nominations. Now the vote happens into some holidays and then when they start back in primary seven, house captains, vice captains. And he worked really hard on his one minute speech, mm-hmm. really hard. And we were under the impression that it was the teachers would then choose who goes through uh-huh. and then the kids get to, now like a wee mini campaign and then the kids get to vote. Turns out it was the kids that were voting so everyone just voted for the best friends. Um, it was a popularity vote, which I never won in school. And my son didn't win. Uh, and his attitude was, something better will come along. And I'm like, that's my boy. Oh, yes. It's, you're started, so proud when you get that. I was gutted, though. Yeah. I, I, I was hurting. Because uh-huh. I knew he wanted it. Yeah. And I was like, you okay? And he went, yeah. He said, I'm a bit sad, but it just means something better will come along. And I was like, yes. So good. They can teach us a lot, these little people. Bonnie's reacted better than I have to things if she's rejected or something's gone wrong. And I'm like, oh! And she's like, yeah. it's fine, Mum. It's yeah. fine. It's, just it's like, funny, doesn't it, how it, under the age of 10, we just are better at dealing with shit. Yeah, we really are. Maybe not everything, but a lot of it we are. We, as adults, certainly for me as an adult, I struggle a lot to put things into perspective at times. Mm-hmm. Whereas my kids are just like deal with it yeah I mean resilience we can learn so much from our kids how do you do you have any tips for people that struggle with picking themselves back up when something goes wrong uh, I think the the cop-out answer is it's it's our mindset and it's our attitude but I think I think there's so much more to it than that I mean mm-hmm. if you're really down um, I think for me exercise, diet, I mean, all these things come into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've just had a wee knockback, yeah. I mean, it's, sometimes it's easy to brush it off yeah. and do the whole something else will come along. But but if you are if you are down, yeah. um, it hurts, you know, and if, especially if you do struggle with maybe depression, maybe anxiety and anything like that, then, then you really are low. You're in your bed, you, you're eating your tub ice cream and you don't ever want to do anything else. Yeah. But I think if it's that extreme... Um, it's a bit more of a journey. It's a bit more of an effort, and it's making sure you're surrounded by the right people as well. Yeah. You know, if you've got people around you, like I'm really lucky that I've got my wife Ali. Ali's I get no sympathy, none, um, because because I've she's learned that that's the wrong thing to do for me. Yeah. I often say Ali's uh, less sympathy and more symphony. Uh, she's able to create this almost like this wall of sound around me that just. Gives me a boot up the arse and yeah. gets me out of bed again. Yeah, uh, if I'm if I'm feeling down, you know. Yeah. Um, maybe it's the mother in her. Maybe it's the teacher. Maybe it's the musician. Yeah. That ability to do what mums and great teachers do. But um, I think yeah. But there's so much for anybody that's down. I think uh, it is easy to say to people be more positive. But that, again, there's more to it than that. There's almost you do need to change your thinking, but you're almost kind of reframing your thinking in a way where you almost. Whatever the negative thought is, mm-hmm. you're starting to distance yourself from it in 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 some ways. Okay. Um, I read a wonderful book called the the Happiness Trap. Okay. Um, about a year year and a half ago now, and there's this bit in it. I'm trying to remember the exact wording. It's something like, "I appear to be having the thought 
that. So if, for example, you were thinking, I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you've had a rejection and you're feeling really down and the thought you keep having is that you're a failure mm-hmm. and that's it's just getting you lower and lower, the idea is that you think about that thought, I'm a failure, and then you change it to, uh, I'm having the thought that I'm a failure. Love that. And instantly you feel the wee distance from it and then you do that for a 10, 20 seconds and then the next step is, I appear to be having the thought that I'm a failure. Yep. And by changing your language and then practicing that, it actually feels like you've just distanced yourself from it. And honestly, it's just this wee weight off the shoulders and it's a wee technique that I found myself having to use a couple of times with certain that. things. When the anxiety's kicking in and you just like appear, I appear to be having the thought that this isn't going to work mm-hmm. rather than go, this isn't going to work, this isn't going to work. And you start to distance yourself. But it is... It is practice. It's like mindfulness. You have to practice it. It's like riding a bike. You can't just jump on and go. Yeah. Um, You need to train the... It's mental fitness is a buzzword at the moment, but you need to train the mind. Do you still practice mindfulness? Do you have time to do that? Um, I try and make time. Yeah. Uh, I could be better. Mm. A lot better. It's not... Should we all Well, yeah. I mean, I'm never going to claim that I do it every day. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing it every day. Yeah. Um, But I think it's everyone's got time to do it now and it says they don't stop in bollocks yeah. uh, get up 10 minutes earlier you know go to your bed 10 minutes earlier and, and do it there mm. um i need to get better at it mm. but i but i love it and i think it's i'm not the best at like i like i can do it um and i've got better at it but i still feel my mind going away off yeah. Maybe not every time. Like when I started doing mindfulness, like it was like I couldn't do it. Yeah, it's hard. I just couldn't. My brain was just like ping, 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 ping. Um, whereas now I'm able to bring myself back, mm-hmm. and I know I mean it's all in the breathing, but I, I I'm able to use that now like you're meant to. Yeah. But that's only come over time. Because there's different tools you can do. Your breathing, you can do sounds. I quite like yeah. that one. Yeah. If you listen to the birds or wherever you are, or um, planting your feet like yeah. the roots. Mm-hmm like that but some things work for others well this is it this thing I love about all these kind of techniques is you're going to have to do a bit of a pick and mix yeah and and see what works for you Um, it's like in writing the books there's you know the book I'm working on at the moment I'm writing about things that I do to tackle negative thoughts anxiety and so on it won't work for everyone but if one thing works then we're we're rocking you know Love it. So motivational. Um, so when I first heard you, something that really was apparent to me was the way you spoke about your wife, Ali, and you were just so positive and you were talking about how she changes the world and I just thought, oh, what a nice thing. Because <laughs> um, in my book, I speak about Hubs, some good yeah. stuff, some bad. Yeah. He's, people are like, I can't believe you were so honest. I'm like, I don't know why he's... He's like, water off a duck's back. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, just see what yeah. you want. But it was so, so nice. And I thought, in the book, it talks about when relationships get samey, you know, a bit mm-hmm. like a buffy car or whatever. And yeah. so many people struggle with this. And it's, how do you keep, do you think you need to, you know, because if you're two people that, that go out and make a difference, then mm-hmm. is that just a deadly combination? Um, or how do we keep that freshness? Yeah, well, we're, we're not perfect. You know, and we don't claim to be. Um, Ali is an incredibly driven, hard-working, professional young woman. Yeah. She is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, you know, she is held in huge 
esteem by the teaching profession in mm-hmm. Scotland with for the work that she's implemented in the schools that she's been in. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know, we are, we're very lucky that we have two young, healthy kids mm-hmm. who get on great, yeah. um, who are best friends. Do they argue? Um, no, not really. Really? Not really. Uh, and that's the response everybody gives. They're, they're like, really? Like They must... I mean, they have moments where they irritate each other a wee bit, but they are best friends. What's the age gap? Um, my son, Kean is 11, and my daughter, Ellis, is 7. Okay. I'm sure we'll have our moments. Yeah. The older they get, well, we might not. We might not, but... Um, but we make sure, as a family, that we have great times together. Mm-hmm. We make sure we have great times not together. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if you know, at weekends, you know, we're we're not hugely, we're not really social animals. We don't party. Mm-hmm. We're not out getting shit faced every weekend with our mm-hmm. friends. We spend that quality time with our families. But at the same time, you know, if I want to go and see someone I can, if Ali wants to go and see someone, uh, one of her pals, then she can. That sounds like we're going to see other people, didn't it? That's not what I meant. Um, but you, we just we just make time to make sure that the four of us together. We, one of the things we love to do is go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not talking lavish holidays, I'm talking just a wee weekend to a wee Airbnb in North Berwick or up to Aviemore or something. And, and you know, it doesn't have to be expensive. Yep. It's just that time out together, yeah. walking on the beach, getting some fresh air, um, making food together in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, Away from all the house, well I was going to say housework, I guess if you're cooking you still got dishes, but in a different yeah. environment. Well I think physically removing yourself out of your day-to-day uh-huh. environment is, is quite important as well, mm-hmm. um, but we just have a great sense of humour as well, like we can take the piss out of each other, um, we can laugh at each other, we can talk about anything. Yeah, so important. Um, and you know, we, we, we're also very fortunate that we have jobs that we love. Yeah. Yes, we have rubbish days like everybody else does, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're not bringing tons of shite back into the house every night. You know, we're not one of these couples that just sit on an evening and bitch about their jobs because yeah. we love our jobs. Yeah. You know, we have a wee moan and a groan every now and then, but don't we all? Yeah. Um, Move Yeah, that's the ones. But, but Ali's amazing. Um, she really is amazing. She... Uh, she keeps me in check and she gives me a proper ass kicking if I need it. Like I say, I get no sympathy at all because um, I think I would lap that up. Yeah, you'd be and like... I'd, do you know, she's she's told me before I would wallow. Yeah. If I was allowed, I would wallow. Like if I was having a shit week and something had gone wrong at work or, you know, if the book wasn't, nobody was liking the book and the reviews were shit or whatever, I would wallow in it. Yeah. And, and, and I would. Um, and I think she clocked that 20 years ago. Wow. And just went, I'm not having any of that shit. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> but she is hard as nails. I love I'm it. terrified of her. She sounds a bit like my mum. My mum and dad have that dynamic yeah. um, match being in heaven. Um, oh, I love it. it. It can be hard and a lot of people struggle, but I think what you're saying about talking, like communication, I had a divorce lawyer on here. Some people did use her after the podcast. But um, just uh, every time she sees, and it's all down to communication, people yeah. just aren't talking, mm-hmm. and we're just kind of... The mood hoover thing, I think, is really interesting in the book, because we can all be a mood hoover, yeah. but like people will say to me, and I'm sure they say to you all the time, oh, you're so positive, like, why are you always so positive? And it's... 
as the book says, it's a choice. Like we have to choose to be positive. Yeah. So in a traffic jam, I choose to, to, to smile and people think I'm a weirdo, but I just yeah. don't like the negative energy. Um, and uh, there are so many mood hoovers out there that are just putting the finger up, swearing, screaming. It's almost like they're looking for someone to take the frustration out. Yeah, I think they love it. Yeah. I think, I think there's people out there who love being the person in that family or the person in that team or the person in that job who is an arsehole. Yeah. Who is just miserable and shitty and grumpy and angry and negative and nippy about everything. Yeah. Um, as you said, we can all be mood hoovers mm-hmm. and, and there's times where I, th- I think it's okay to have a bit, it's a bit of a release. Yeah. But again, as you said and as we say in the book, it is a choice. Yeah. Um, and particularly in the family home or particularly in work, you don't have to be a dick. <laughs> like you don't. You can be if you want. Mm-hmm. And if something's not going right, we can complain about everything because no job's perfect mm-hmm. and no person's perfect. Yeah. And I've worked with people in the past who I think they're looking for perfection. I think they're searching for the holy grail and and because they're not getting it, they just complain and complain and complain. But what's interesting is they don't do something about it. Yeah. They don't offer a solution. Yeah. Uh, and for me, that's key. So by all means, come, come to me with a moan. Mm-hmm. but offer me a, a solution an what alternative because if you can't think of something well maybe I can't think of something sometimes people yeah they don't want if you start saying well this could be a solution yeah. they don't want to hear it no they don't no no I just want to because they love it yeah because they're an arsehole so what about when it's someone we love just say it's your your mum or your partner or, or whatever mm-hmm. and they just constantly hoovering up that um, so one of the things I've said quite often in presentations and stuff is uh, there comes a point where it stops being funny because mm-hmm. I think to begin with if you're in a job and you're coming home going oh this person said this and it, it can be quite funny mm-hmm. it can almost be quite entertaining when you're having a laugh and a joke but when it just keeps picking and keeps picking over weeks months maybe years um, if it's someone that you live with it stops being funny yeah. I, mean, I remember my dad used to moan about his job a lot uh-huh. um, it stopped being funny yeah. and then me and Ali actually when I we met at uni and after my four years I taught for a couple of years and by the end of that couple of years we were living together mm-hmm. and I realised that since graduating I had become a bit of a misery guts mm-hmm. I kind of lost sight of that why that purpose that yeah. for going into teaching um, and I got to a point where I realised it kind of stopped stopped yeah. being funny mm-hmm. but I think again this is where the communication comes in you know if your partner is seriously unhappy in their job, mm-hmm. we have to be able to sit them down and say to them, I believe in you, go and do something about it. Mm-hmm. If it means we're on my salary for six months, yeah. we will make it work. Yeah. If the person that you love more than anyone is not happy, you have to. we have to help them set themselves free. We have to give them some kind of permission. We have to let them know that it's okay to quit your job mm-hmm. or go for a different... You don't need to quit. You can at least look at what else is out there, bring them in the job adverts, do a bit of Googling on their behalf mm-hmm. and give them the shove. And it can be easy to get defensive if it's your partner saying something like, oh, right, you need to change something in your job or you need to or do more the barriers exercise come or whatever. Up. The barriers come yeah, up and you're yeah. like, I don't need that. And we especially don't want to hear it when we know it's true. Yes. We really, I mean, to be told that you're not happy and that you're complaining and bored and miserable about everything none of us want to hear that Mm -hmm. Um, but if it's your other half or your 
parent or your child mm-hmm. that's telling you that, well, they love you. They're, yeah. they're telling you for a reason, so... Yeah, it's when it's coming from the people that you trust. Oh, it hurts. Oh, it hurts. But we need to hear it. But that nail on the head there, they love you. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. So that's why they want to yeah. do it. Yeah. Love that. So inspirational. Rock. <laughs> um, and the kids love your next book, Diary of a Brilliant Kid. So, Super proud of this. Oh, it's just so good. So fun. Yeah. Just love it. Are you, have you got a favourite part in the book? Yep. Sweet corn. <laughs> so sweet corn is... This, it's just a one-page stupid story about a child getting excited about bits of sweet corn in their poop. <laughs> um, but the, the, which I know is ridiculous and childish and silly, but um, but the book is aimed at children. Well, it's for everyone, but really, it's that kind of seven, six, seven to ten, eleven, really. Um, do adults not still find that funny too? Or? No, they do. They do. <laughs> uh, and actually, we've had adults who have read this yeah. and got more out of it than their kids did. That's the thing. Because um, that's what we learn through play and fun. And absolutely. But it, the thing about this book, because somebody said, is it just shine for, for young people? And I said, like, well, that wasn't the approach, but it is still positive psychology for kids. Yeah. Um, so that Sweet Corn's my favourite, because it, it's about taking that really silly, rude, cheeky story and putting a spin on it. and yeah. As I say, the story is about a kid pointing at the sweet corn in the toilet and the idea is that we're trying to tell kids, no matter what you do, be be proud of everything you produce, even the little things. I just love it. <laughs> See, I, I sometimes worry I'm too much like a big kid with the, the kids. So when their friends come around, they can be quite cheeky to me because I'm the fun one mm. who makes jokes and, yeah. and takes part in all of that. Yeah. Where's the balance? Can we be too, as adults... Can we do be too much? Can we play too much? Um, I don't think we can play too much. Uh, I mean, every child's different. Every parent's different. I would never tell anyone how to parent their kids. But I think, I think we can certainly be too boring as adults. Mm-hmm. If we put it the other way, we can definitely be too sensible and too serious and mm-hmm. too forgetful that it's okay to play. Yeah, you know, we wrote and shine about how. It's a scientific fact that children learn best through play, but it's also a fact that adults learn best through play. But they don't tell us that; they keep it, they keep it from us. Um, you know, we wrote about how playfulness is is broken up into three things, and that's imagination, creativity, and innovation. And if you think how important those three things are to relationships, mm-hmm. to our jobs, to our businesses, to our careers, to everything, you know, if if we're not allowing ourselves to be playful, then we're removing some fundamental. Um, skills yeah. that we all need to thrive and to flourish yeah. um, how do you release that then that, that bit of magic that creativity the not the part of your mind that's feeling fear you know a quote I love is beautiful minds are free of fear I think that's just yep. lovely um, so when you're in that zone whatever you like to call it you probably call it magic wouldn't you call it mojo yeah, yeah, yeah that wee piece of magic <laughs> um, so what helps you release that um, for me personally uh, so there's, there's probably a, f- a few different things for me one of the biggest things the biggest learning curve for me I think has been the kids mm-hmm. um, having kids for me has reminded me of the the kind of beauty of that just that simplistic approach to everything yeah everything just the idea of being excited about the day ahead 
yeah. um, kind of switches me on. You know, like my my daughter for for her seventh birthday last November. I'm saying to her, what what do you want? And she said, can I write a list? I was like, well, it's not Christmas, you know. But okay, keen to see what she was going to write, and there was like four things, and it said a hundred balloons, four hundred ice lollies. I love that. Love that. Four hundred ice lollies and a, a cat and a stripy door handle. Where's the stripy door handle? That's awesome. Uh huh. A bit, bit. That's exactly it. I was looking at it, going a hundred balloons. 400 ice lollies, already awesome, yeah. a cat, now I love cats and we did eventually, not for her birthday, but we got Bowie as you know, um, and a stripy door handle. That is just and legendary. Just, just, just that bit there, I was like, why are we settling for door handles that are not stripy in life? I just love that. There's a metaphor for all sorts right there. I'll repeat that statement, that's yeah, too good. But, but, why, but why are we settling for plain door handles and plain everything? And I just thought... It's that there, so she could have wanted a new door handle. Yeah. Why would she want a new door handle? She doesn't. She wants a stripy door handle. And I think if you if you look at life, we can we can want a life or we can want a stripy life mm. or a polka dot life. So my kids have really helped me to remember the importance of, of of playfulness and that wee piece of magic. Being a primary school teacher, I definitely had that. Being in stand-up comedy, the show that I was involved in was crazy, like yeah. full-on batshit crazy, if yeah. that's a thing. Crazy characters, and that allowed me to really play. And I mean, I, our show—it was an over eighteen show. I mean, we could do anything and get away with it, and it was uh-huh. fine. Um, it was this real release, but that's—but it's not real life, yeah. You know. Um, so my kids. Um, Escapism. Yeah, music. Mm. I know you're a big fan of music. Oh, we're playing um, music constantly. But it? also things like running. Yeah, you know, I've I've discovered running over the last couple of years, and what a release! The runners high. I ran. I ran this morning. Um, I was out at six o'clock this morning in the rain. I didn't really want. It. I nearly didn't get out of my bed. I snoozed my alarm, which I never do. Really, alarm goes off once, and I'm up now. Oh, that's but resilient. This, but this morning I, I hit it because I thought I don't really feel like it, and I was like, no, get up, go. Um, and as soon as I'm out, I mean, whilst I don't love the actual running, yeah, it feels good that you're out there and you know you're out there. And I did a 5K um, and I got back to the front door, a bit sore, a bit tired, beetroot red, sweat mm. pissing down my face, looking awful. I felt amazing. Oh. And I've been I've been feeling great most of my day because of it. And it, it's a sense of release and it just fixes in here. Yeah. Um, I mean, physically, obviously, you get fitter and healthier, but... So yeah, I think I think for me, in terms of finding that wee piece of magic, my kids, exercise, music, um, and I, family. Do you feel like when you're running, you get those moments of clarity? Yes. I feel like it just comes to me, like I, best ideas or yeah. creativity. Yeah. I need to run with my laptop <laughs> yeah. attached over here and I can run like this. Um, no, I've definitely had some of my best ideas yeah. whilst I'm running and most of the time I remember them. Yeah, but there's yeah. stuff I don't remember, and I just have to think. Well, wasn't meant to be. Yeah, no, but it's there's nothing like it. But sometimes it's so hard to get out the door, and it's a balance as well. Because I got to a point where I was so addicted, and I was going out all the time. Like I remember, Ian came around, my brother, and 
he was like, don't go out running. It was a Saturday morning. He's like, it's really slippy. I was like, I'm going. <laughs> Went out. I was on my butt. Ice skates on. Yeah, I was lying on my butt yeah. within 30 seconds, yeah. like big bruise. But I was just so adamant. Where do we, how often do you run? Do you have rest days as well? I do. So it, it's alternate weeks because I kind of try and just go every second day. So it's mm-hmm. usually three or four times a week. Great. Um, so I ran the London Marathon two years ago. Uh and I had trained for two years for that, and that was the start of my running journey. Uh-huh. I mean, at school, I was hugely sporty. Mum, mum was a PE teacher. We were encouraged to play every sport under the sun. Mm-hmm. Loved my sport, um, but when I went to uni, it all just went downhill. Yeah. Uh, and I ballooned uh, at university. I mean, so I, easy to do. I'm currently just over 13 stone. I got to 15 and a half stone at university within about two and a half years, and I went to uni about 11 and a half stone. So I mean, I piled the weight on was that beer or just beer yeah, yeah beer. no exercise uh tons of beer and junk food yeah um it was magic <laughs> <laughs> absolutely loved it but got a bit of a fright at the end of the four years but um so in uh, 2012 um i lost my dad to pancreatic cancer and that's whilst there's lots of things at play there that's all diet it's all diet it's all exercise it's all alcohol, it's, all these things contribute towards that. Um, so whilst I got a huge fright when I lost my dad, it took me a couple of years to then do something about it. Yeah. Um, and then it was running that was my kind of out from that. And yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't, I literally couldn't run around the block. And our block is tiny. <laughs> or we've moved since then, but it was a tiny block. Um, I'm probably thinking about eight houses. I couldn't yeah. even run around it. I was so embarrassed. I was so overweight. Uh, and you know, I read something once that said, at that point I was a full-time professional motivational speaker, mm-hmm. and I read something that said, you can't trust a fat motivational speaker. Do you agree with that? How fat are we talking? Because what if you just love the odd donut? Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not, no, I mean, I, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't grossly obese, <laughs> um, but I was overweight. Yeah. And do I believe it? I'm going to say yes. Because it's a bit like, can you trust a skinny chef? I see, I don't think that's right at all. I think that's entirely different. Because a chef's job is not to feed you up and make you fat. A chef's job is to cook you awesome food. Yeah. So, um, it's, so you can be, you believe you can be a foodie and have a six-pack? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I know people who are entirely ripped. No. Uh, I know people who are into, like hugely ripped who have a wonderful... Uh, palate shall we say and are yeah. right into their food uh-huh. and eat a lot but how do they, they do it then? burn it all off just go <laughs> <up> <laughs> because they run and they work out yeah. um but the thing about never trust a fat motivational speaker like i do kind of get it like yeah like if you can't motivate yourself to simply look after yourself yeah well why are you on the stage telling everyone to look after themselves yeah and to live a happy positive life like there is, it's all connected. I mean, Buddha physical has health. Buddha unhealthy BMI. <laughs> yeah. Uh, physical health is mental health, though. You know, yeah, the, it's the, connected. It's all the same. Yeah. Um, and when you're, but when your mental health's stronger, you're more likely to go out and, and do that. You know, it's... So, uh, yeah. I mean, there's been moments in my life where I've been down about something or a bit anxious about stuff. I can't run. Mm-hmm. I really struggle to, to, to go out and run when I'm feeling that way but when I was training for the London Marathon I just found myself getting happier and happier I mean I thought I was really happy well I was really happy but I found myself getting happier and happier and happier 
Um, and of course my distances were going from one kilometre to two kilometres to three kilometres to five miles to ten miles to f- and then on a Sunday I was going out 18, 19 mile runs which is ridiculous I've never done that in my life it takes a while as well you're like saying bye to the family two, they're like you're going long I'm yeah. like yeah a few hours two years to get to that point and then I would get up at four o'clock on a Sunday morning and I would be out by half four and I'd get back about half seven eight o'clock so that was oh. there so you had the day. The day yeah. Oh. And then running on the marathon, amazing. Like, best day ever. Like, genuinely, best day of my life. And I know that sounds weird because I've got my marriage day, my marriage day, my wedding day, kids being born. No. The London Marathon is the most positive experience of my entire life. And then straight after that, my running kind of went like that a little bit. Because you have a bit of that where you're exhausted. Yeah. You don't need to run for a while. I'll just eat for a few weeks. Yeah. Lost all my toenails. Oh, it is brutal, isn't it? I was banging. Look at um, agony. I think yeah. a rhino overtook me at one point. It was so hot. Yeah, yeah. It's hilarious, <laughs> the costumes. But then we, like, I I allowed my running to, to drop. Like, I kept running. Yeah. But instead of going out maybe five miles, I would yeah. maybe do two miles. Yeah. And then instead of doing a 5K, I might do a one or 2K. And it was just getting... So I was still running three times a week. Uh, and what was really interesting is after three or four months... I physically felt myself getting heavier again. Yeah. And in here, I could I could feel it coming down. Like mm-hmm. not not entirely unhappy, but I could I could feel it. Yeah. Um, and what's really interesting is over this last wee while, I've upped my miles again. Yeah. And already physically feeling better. I'm feeling it in my clothes a wee bit better. Yeah. In here, I'm feeling a wee bit better. And so yeah. run running, I think running can save lives. And I know there'll be people watching this who who hate running. Yeah. I kind of hate running yeah. and there'll be a lot of people thinking I'm not a runner I'm not a runner yeah. I'm, a, I'm Phoebe from Friends I'm not a natural runner yeah. but it changes you it really does it's, you mentioned runner's high mm. I remember reading and hearing all my days about runner's high thinking okay I mean I believe it but how good can it be yeah turns out pretty good it really oh but but even when we know we know we know we still have yeah. as you say like you know yeah. you know you should do it yeah. like I did a story the other week it was in the morning and I was saying to my listeners you just gotta go and and you'll the voice will keep coming why am I going I could do this I could do that email I could do that go just keep going keep going keep going get out the door and go yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. because yeah. it's like a constant battle even yeah. though I know I know yeah. I know I'm gonna have yeah. a better day I'm gonna feel better it's all like, oh, but do that, do that, do that. Time's so precious, yeah. especially when you have kids. Yeah. Like, I just feel like yeah. some weeks I'm just surviving, juggling everything. Um, but if you can make what percentage of your day, you know, half an hour or something to That's have it. that time. No, it's, it helps It helps immensely. Yeah. So, but I think, again, we're all different. There's so many different things we can all do I know, I'm, to help us. When you're grieving and stuff, and, and chapter 10 was, I was in tears in my bed when I read that, you know, just the, the way you sort of, told the story about you know going to the hospital because I think when my kids were born there's such a song and dance you know when someone comes into the world and then I've not had the experience where I've lost someone like I've been there to watch them go almost did like when I saw my dad I was like he I thought he was dying pretty much that week because he was so frail and I was holding his hand but he Mm -hmm. wasn't like really there anymore when he was like really ill but with you and I've got a lot of friends that have you know sat with their parents when they've lost them to cancer or something awful like that and I guess it must be such a a tough thing to go through and the months following that to try and process everything I mean what would you say to people um 
firstly, it's okay to feel shit. Yeah. Because it is shit. Oh, yeah. um, what was really difficult was we... So my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in... I think it was 20... Tail end of 2010. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, 99% of the time you get told you've got six months. Yeah. And you'll be lucky if you get six months. It's, it is one of the most aggressive cancers. It's the fourth biggest killer. Um, and there is, I think it's four or five percent of people um, survive. Wow. Or, or or get to, is it, five, or is it get five years or something like that? It's four or five percent. I mean, it, mm. the figures are awful. Really um, so my dad, for about two years, had been told that he had really bad indigestion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... I got a phone call one day. Um, I was just pulling up at the house. And I got a phone call from my mum to tell me that we've just had the results back and it's cancer and your dad's only been given six months. Did they and, take two years to give him a blood test? Um, so what happened was they went... In the first year, you've got indigestion. No, that was kind of it. No tests? Uh, no. Had they got it in that year... Um, if, if they'd been done something a bit more investigative, investigatory, is that a word? Mm-hmm. Um, they'd have found it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they did go in. They 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 went in. They did a wee um, exploration. I'm using all the medical terms here, um, and they missed it. So the way it was described to me was: if you imagine all the uh, kind of lymph nodes and things being being like that, mm-hmm. you know, there might be there might be a little bit of cancer on this one mm-hmm. and there might be a little bit on this one yeah. and they reckon what happened is that they went in and scraped this one oh, no. so they didn't investigate enough it wasn't thorough enough because yeah. um, he got the all clear oh. um, so then after another few months they said look we need to do something and they made they made four little incisions uh, and they went in and they came back and said oh you're absolutely riddled with it so I remember when that news came in thinking right I've got six months maximum and that was about October, um, so this was going to be last Christmas mm. with her, with her dad and all this sort of stuff. But he actually fought for sixteen months. Wow! Um, so it was quite awkward the following Christmas <laughs> when he was still there <laughs> because we'd had our big final Christmas, and it was so so emotional. Oh. This big final Christmas with my dad—it'll never happen again. Um, oh it, by this gosh. point, he had two grandkids. Mm-hmm. My son and my brother's eldest, um, and you know we we had, it was the most magical Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> like I say, the following Christmas he's still there. And we're like, this is a bit shit, isn't it? <laughs> like last Christmas was way better. Um, and he was doing all right that next again Christmas, and he was he was described uh, as an anomaly um, wow. because you don't last more than six months. So then, um, around about. Um, what well, was early 2012 he, he had a little dip over Christmas and he had to get another stent fitted and all that sort of stuff but then early 2012 um, he got the opportunity to try a new, a new drug mm-hmm. um, which they'd never tested on humans before it'd been fairly successful I don't know what they tested on rats or whatever um, of course you're going to take it yeah. You know, if you're told it might be a miracle drug, mm-hmm. and him and one other man of a similar age with the same type of cancer signed up, um, and then they got 
the potential wonder drug. Um, it was about March the 17th or March the 18th, um, 2012. They both got given this drug uh, and they were both gone by the 20th of March. Oh my goodness. Um, so that was, wow. that kind of took us by surprise because actually he'd been doing really well. Yeah. Even though he wasn't meant to be there, he was doing really well and then and then, and then he was gone. Um, and we sat with him. What was what was really hard is we watched the t- deterioration for sixteen months. Yeah. And he went from being a guy with a great big solid belly uh-huh. to a sack of bones. Yeah. I mean, he looked horrific. People people would walk past him and they didn't know who he was. Yeah. Um, and then we sat with him, as you mentioned in the book, and um, it was just shit. But yeah. after that, there was a a natural anger which which comes anyway in grief. Mm-hmm. But we were angry because they had used this drug. Yeah. But my dad agreed and signed a form that said this might kill me. And looking back now, I get it. Mm-hmm. Well, of course you're going to take it. It might work because you're not going to survive. So this might be the answer. But then unfortunately, um, only a few months later, my mum was diagnosed with cancer. Oh. Um, she was diagnosed with cancer, um, which was just a huge, shitty fucking thing because we were just like are you kidding enough now it's like right. this is bollocks yeah. um, fortunately um, they did catch her right at the start and she went for huge surgery hysterectomy and a few other things and she got, got the all clear over actually she's now past that three year mark where they go right you're all you are all right mm-hmm. um, so we had this other oh. other part of the, 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 the journey to deal with so you're grieving for your dad, mm-hmm. then you're going, well, shit, actually, I might lose my mum now. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're a close family, you know, so, yeah, it's hard. Um, but, again, I think we're all different with the grieving process, mm-hmm. and it's just a case of happy memories and remembering the good times, and you kind of have to suck it up a wee bit. Yeah. What can you do? I know. You can't, you, you can't bring them back. You can talk about them. Mm-hmm. But one thing I will say is it it's still takes me by surprise every now and then I could be I could be having an amazing day feeling great just come off stage somewhere kids are healthy everyone business is going well a song on the radio mm. or if I know it may not even be that and just boom you are you have to pull over and you're just sobbing your oh, heart out because your dad's not there yeah. yeah I turned 40 in about two weeks and I still cry because I've lost my dad mm. and I'm cool with that yeah know. But I know people who haven't grieved. Oh yeah, seen it, uh, and it's masks. It's things like alcohol, or yeah, you know, yeah. um, exercise. Probably when you need to take a bit of a break mm-hmm. from exercise to let your body grieve, or yeah. not eating, or all these kind yeah. of things. Uh, there's one or two people I know that it's the anger behind the eyes, you know, right. and, and it's building and building, and there's nothing like a good cry. How do you get? Like I've pulled friends aside in the past and made them cry. Yeah. Like actually and yeah. just cry and they with haven't them. even lost anyone <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I remember like the only way I could get one friend to cry was I just started crying I was yeah. just like I'm, I'm so sad for you like, are you an ugly cry sometimes yeah yeah um, <laughs> but I was like it's not everywhere and oh, life's so crap I just want to cry for you and then that finally got all yeah. out and then you're sitting crying and yeah. it's just like we need to cry because crying yeah. starts to heal us I'm a crier 
Yeah, I cry anything. I have no issues with that whatsoever. Uh, Ali's not a crier. She's she's well too yeah, scary for that. Uh, but no, I'm 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 a crier. Um, <laughs> do, you watch, do you ever watch um, uh, Long Lost Families? Oh, I've not seen it's it. It's the Davina McCall and Nikki Campbell program where oh. they somebody's been left on a doorstep when they were six months old and oh. now they're forty six and they find their mum and oh man, like like programs like that, I'm gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Ali's sitting across the room going, "Are you for real?" <laughs> it's really sore to hold it in, though. You try to like <laughs> yeah. not cry, like your throat yeah. starts to seize up, yeah, yeah, yeah. like horrible feeling. Yeah. I cry yeah. all the time. Yeah, no, I'm definitely a crier. But uh, do you know what? Losing someone is is uh, is really shit. Um, I, I remember losing a grandparent for the first time. Even though my grand was like ninety three, I think she was. You know, had an amazing <laughs> life and and oh, had a tough life, but was an amazing individual. Uh, yeah, I remember being absolutely devastated, thinking I don't know what to do. Yeah, death's weird. I I I'm, I fear death big time. Yeah, I am scared shitless of dying. Always have been. Um, I yeah, I don't I don't like it. I mean, I don't know anyone that enjoys it because they're dead. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, but, uh, but I know people who are like, I'm really comfortable with dying. Like, I, I accept it's fine. Oh, fuck that. I think if you believe you have a soul, are you more science or do you believe you have a soul? Uh, <sighs> or are you not sure? <laughs> I'm, I'm not religious in the slightest. Not not even a little bit. Um, Atheist? I think, so I... I it's funny, I said to someone once, I, I think I'm a spiritual person, mm-hmm. but not in the religious sense, but I think it's a really wanky thing to say, and I don't even know what it means, but it's the only way I know how to say it. So, as a kid, I was fascinated with, this sounds really odd, I was fascinated with Native Americans. Like, really fascinated with it. Like, when kids have got footballers on their wall, I had, like... Chief Sitting Bull and like I, it's really odd but again I've actually written about this for some recently and it's one of those things you're writing it going you had a weird child gap but what I loved so this all came from my, my, my dad the first time I ever saw my dad cry he, he had read a book called uh, what's it called Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee mm. and it's all about what happened in, uh, in over history with the Native Americans mm-hmm. Um, and it's their story it's told from their perspective and I remember seeing my dad crying I was like 10 or something I'm going, what are you, why, why are you so upset and he's explaining about this book and how it's the it's the most in, what was he saying, the most inhumane human story I've ever read or something like that and, and of course when you're 10 and your dad says don't read that Grab you know, didn't understand most of it all the different tribes names and things like that I didn't have a clue what was going on but what, what I did become fascinated with was well the way they looked was cool mm-hmm. but I was fascinated with the way they thought about the world mm-hmm. about how you are all somehow connected you're a part of a bigger thing um, didn't really know what that meant and I was then the kid down Troon Library where I grew up taking out all the books all about the Native Americans I was just fascinated and I couldn't get enough of it and so there their outlook on the world about kindness, love, peace, um, we're all connected to the earth mm-hmm. in some way. You know that's why their teepees are low because the bones and blood of your ancestors are in the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the respect for nature, mm-hmm. um, mother, uh, mother nature, planet mm-hmm. earth. Like I'm not, 
I'm not one of these people that obsesses over that stuff, but I think I think I believe that. I think I believe that there is something else. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you never have signs where you think, oh, that's that's a higher power, or like moments, like I hear stories all the time of people like. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm convinced that I've heard my dad. Oh. Like to the point where it freaked me out. Like he was shouting my name from up upstairs in my mum's house. Wow. And I'm actually saying, Ali, did, did you hear that? And she's going, no. And I'm saying, my my dad was just shouting from the top of the stairs. But then there's that bit of me going, but was he? Wouldn't like, you rather just follow it? the, like, believe it? Uh, yeah, I think I think I do. I think I do believe that I heard my dad shouting me. Whether whether it was real or not, or whether it's just in my mind, doesn't really matter. Uh, I mean, I shat it. <laughs> it was really scary. Was everyone else scared? They're like, what's... Well, do you know, like, the true story, right? When, when, uh, so not long after my dad died, obviously there's his funeral. And my dad liked a cigar. Not often. Um, didn't inhale him, but he liked, he liked a cigar. And every year when mum and dad went abroad on holiday they brought back a box of these beautiful Spanish cigars called Saludos and they're brilliant, really good cigars doesn't matter if you like cigars or not, these are good cigars they smell amazing and my mum decided because there was three or four beautiful boxes of these, she was going to wrap everyone in this beautiful red ribbon put them in a basket and once the funeral was out of the way and everyone's then at the hotel part mm-hmm. we could go around and offer everyone one of my dad's favourite cigars mm. and we thought, you know, that's a cool thing to do and she tipped them up, so it was me, my mum, my brother, um, and Ali, and Siobhan, my brother's partner, and we were all sat round mum's table in Troon, so this is the night before the funeral, which feels weird, you know, the night before your own parents' funeral, and we're tying these, mum, mum tipped them all out, and we're tying these, I don't know why she chose a red bow, but we're tying these red bows, and as we started putting the bows on, so there's a light, like, like, like hangs there, and it just went, like this. And we were all like, oh, oh my God. And we are like, now whatever. And we went to start tying the bows again. And it went, turn off and on. And we're laughing going, that's dad. Go get your fucking hands off my cigars. What are you tying red bows on my cigars for? Fucking stop it. They're cigars. They're not for red bows. And it was really scary. Did you take the bows off? Did you listen to them? No. Looked nice. He's raging. Looked really pretty. But, um... But yeah, so like again, in that moment, you're like, "Holy shit, that was that was that real?" I have no idea. I have no idea. I I think the key to happiness is having an open mind, like being open. Oh, I think so. I think so. Um, I think it's very easy to not have an open mind mm-hmm. for a lot of things, and I, I I sometimes catch myself out being too opinionated about something and too closed off to something that kind of fixed mindset yeah. and I do have to give myself a wee joke sometimes but no no stop that mm-hmm. remember what you teach other people and uh, but we're human oh we're human I, I get Scott saying to me mummy Jojo or Jojo uh, like you know if I say <laughs> something he's like oh I'm going to take a video of this and put that live I'm like oh wanker uh, but you know that's the thing we are only human but yeah. people expect you know when you do inspirational stuff and the W is like really positive they expect you to practice what you preach all the time yeah. someone said to me recently you're actually quite boring I thought you were like <laughs> yeah. they were like you're quite quiet and I was yeah. like well I'm not on camera all the time yeah. do you know it's okay to have yeah. a quiet like, I, I hate I hate crowds. Mm. I like getting up in front of a crowd, yeah. but being in amongst a crowd, having to talk to people, 
I hate busy pubs and clubs. Oh, me too. Um, I am a very private, reserved, quiet person. Mm-hmm. And I get a similar thing. People are like, oh. like, I was speaking at an event recently and I was doing the after... I don't really like doing after dinner stuff because it's... Well, not every time, but a lot of the time the audience are pissed and are done by that point. They don't want to listen to someone. Yeah. But, um, and it can be a tough, a tough performance. It can go great, but... Um, I was sitting with somebody and there was just general chat around the table and we were kind of working our way around what do you do and it came to me and this guy to my right what do you do I said I'm actually your speaker tonight and he went oh you don't strike me as the sort I went that's okay then I got and did my thing and he was like oh my god right I get I get it and he said is that just an act and I was like well no but I don't need to be switched on like that yeah. 24 hours a day yeah. I'd be knackered yeah people but, expect you to be like singing and dancing and uh I'm like, it's performing. You yeah. are performing because even if you, you yeah. speak from out of heart and soul and you mean it and you're you're perf- you're still giving yeah. all your energy. So then you're a bit like, I don't want to speak to anyone. I don't want to yeah. sing. I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, I, I I like speaking to people, but I find it uncomfortable. Mhm. Mhm. Well, you're very relaxed. <laughs> The mojo. <laughs> um, oh, I could speak to you all day. This is fascinating. Um, couple of more light-hearted questions. What's your favourite ice lolly? Oh, uh, right. So, again, I've mentioned this already. I I, I, um, I just spotted that my cat's been, you see my oh, cat's been attacking me. That's why I'm scared of cats, scratching. Oh, I know, they're a pain. <laughs> um, I mean, I fucking love ice lollies. Like, I really love ice lollies. And it's a, that's a really difficult uh, question to answer because there's... There's a lot of different ones pop into my head straight away. You weren't expecting as much enthusiasm about this one. So there's a range of ice lollies that I love from the boring Del Monte fresh orange ice lolly, just 100% orange juice ice lolly, through to things like Nobbly Bobblies. Do you know what Nobbly Bobblies are? No, I don't think I do, actually. Chocolate ice cream in the middle, surrounded by strawberry ice cream, surrounded by a solid chocolate coating with lots of wee sugar, the tiny wee balls, sort of hundreds and thousands type things all over it. They're a classic. Wow. Uh, love a Calippo. I love um, a Calippo, yeah. What flavour? Uh, not the kind of ice creamy ones, you know, those oh, yeah. new weird uh-huh. combination ones. Don't like them. So as much as I love the orange one and the lime one, actually the two greatest flavours of all time are cola and bubblegum. Oh, I didn't think they... I didn't even know they did those. You don't get them here. Oh, it's from when abroad. Yeah, it's when you're abroad. They have all these different flavours. Uh-huh. Um, so for me, it's more the ice lolly than the ice cream. Yeah. So, one of the greatest ice lollies of all time is the fruit pastel ice lolly. Not with the it. different layers that come Oh, away. the long one. Yeah. There you go. Get, get a, I've got an ice lolly for Do you. Do you know what? I fucking love them. I just need to stop swearing. My favourite ice lolly, I'm going to give you one in a minute, but it's ha- it's partly lolly and a wee bit ice cream, but it's refreshing. Right. What is it? You can guess. It's orange with it, ice cream in the is middle. It's a Solero type um, thing. Is that what it is? I've just blanked the word. Is that the passion fruit tropical one? I don't know. I might have a choice. I might have a fab or a solero. Yeah. Fabs are great. Fabs are old school. I love fabs. They're they're not actually that great as far as ice lollies go. They're really boring and the flavour's not great, but it's a fab. It just looks cool. <laughs> yeah. I just love ice lollies. So yeah, it's hard to it's hard to tell what my actual favourite is. Um, Tangle twisters are good. Uh, With the red bit in the middle. Yeah, they're just called twisters, aren't they? Twisters. Yeah. They used to be tangle twisters. No, they didn't. You made that up. I thought they were. 
Don't mess with ice lollies. The red bit in the middle is really good. Uh, I love twisters. They, cause the bit in the middle is ice lolly, more sort of sorbet ice lolly, yeah. whereas the bit around the outside is ice cream. So I do like that combination. But I, mini milks are amazing. Oh, good. Yeah, I like the white mini milks. But I... There is a thing about ice lollies uh, in, in, in my family and the happiest I've ever seen anyone was my two kids when they found out that at all-inclusive holidays you could have as many ice lollies as you wanted. That's a magical moment in parenting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I've, put, yeah. I've put it actually in the, the, the next book. I'm talking about how that moment I saw my kids, you know the big freezers that you slide the top oh, of? Oh, yeah. But their feet are off the ground and they're in it. They can't believe it, can they? They're like, Do we, can we have as yeah. many as we yeah. like? You're like, yeah, and I want, I want my next book to be that freezer where you just you feet it off the ground you're in it and you might pull something that just goes oh well. I can't wait to read it and Zest is coming out soon uh, Zest's out in July and the next one hopefully January February oh so excited for this sure they're going to be amazing I feel a bit sick just because like, you, you don't know how you know what it's like you, mm. especially Zest's well it's not the second book it, Brill Kid is but it's the second adult book mm. so pressure's on a little bit pressure is on but you just have to keep going and know that the reviews you've had so far, use that. Like if I have a date, a bad writing day, I go onto Amazon and I look at my reviews and I'm mm. like, if I can do that, what can I do? Oh, we've got some shit reviews though. <laughs> yeah, but you've probably got more bigger publishers, so you've got had more reach than I have. So Perhaps. You'll, Perhaps. You, you're going to have mood hoovers reading your book. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, uh, what was it? What, uh, was the, there's a word that was used by somebody they referred to. Was it, was it the lump? Or twee, or anyway, there's been some brilliant words. People just like shine. <laughs> it's fine. I I have no issues with that at all. I like I we the books are not everybody's cup of tea, and you know I accepted that a long time ago. Uh, I'm I'm alright with that. You know I, I don't want it. I don't want just all my family and friends leaving reviews. I need to know where we stand on it. Yeah. But if people don't like it, I'm alright with. I'm quite raging. Hardly any of my friends will like reviews. I'm like dicks. <laughs> Where's the support? No, but as you see, I'd rather not. I don't want a sympathy real, review. No, I want one that. I read a thing the other day actually about reviews on Amazon are something like seventy percent fake or something. Oh really? I maybe made the figure up there, but it's a huge percentage that are, are fake. I quite believe it. But they, they, say, very, they say verified purchase. They do, but I know a lot of people who didn't buy it off of Amazon who have left reviews. Oh really? Um, but it's a real review. They just didn't buy it off, get of, off, off of Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's the same with restaurants. And stuff. I, I know a guy, he's not a friend, but I know a guy that runs a restaurant in Edinburgh that's not very good. And it's one of the top rated. Which restaurant is it? I'm not telling no, you. No, I wouldn't but make I, you. But we I we don't a, want to diss people. I, I'll ask I, you after. <laughs> I actually went in and looked at the reviews and then I started tracing these people's reviews and they're leaving positive reviews for everyone, and I think I think they're getting paid to do it. Yeah, they're forced because I've I've been into restaurants and not been able to leave reviews because it wasn't good. Yeah. If it's good, I'll yeah. shout them out. If it's oh, bad, yeah. I ain't. I Quite right. Yeah. Quite right. But I do anything for a free meal. But if it's bad, yeah. I ain't writing that. <laughs> um, and another question, just to end, is fave song. I'm not going to make you sing if you don't want to, but we're going to go and play it. Um, My, f- so as we said, I love music. Uh, I mean. I mean, this is one of my favourite bands of all time. I don't wear band t-shirts, but I, I do have this one. Um, my favourite song... Uh, do you know, I'm tempted to pick something a bit more... You can have two if you like. A bit more left Some field. people have had three. Um, so, okay. One is... Uh, 
it sounds a bit glum, but it's not. The song's not. It's called Death by a band called White Lies. Okay. Um, Is it heavy? Ish. Okay. Yeah. Um, not heavy metal heavy, mm-hmm. um, but I um, I saw them recently actually live doing it, and it was just outstanding. Okay. Their 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 song means a lot to me from my time doing the fringe. It was a a real anthem that we used to do us a, a particular sketch to a big magic trick. Um, so what else? death death by white lies and oh um, let's go basket case by Green Day. Oh, I love that. Gotta love Green Day. Fab. Great. Well, what can I say? You're a legend. I know you don't like people calling you legends and stars, but um, I think you are. So thank you. Keep rocking. And you. Thank and, you for uh, having me. Let's go and play your favourite song and have a nice lolly. Amazing. <laughs> it was so good having you. I love your choice of song. I love hearing what people say. Um, and yeah, I just that discussion. Good chat to this. Freddie Mercury dude all day loving his work loving the chat don't stop me now don't stop me I love the feeling when we lift on I really do actually watching the world so small below I love the dreaming when I think of The safety in the clouds out my window I wonder what keeps us so high Could there be love beneath these wings? Suddenly fall, should I scream out? I'll keep very quiet and cling to my mouth as I'm crying. So frightened of dying, the light yes, I'm trying. But fear's got a hold on me. Yes, this fear's got a hold on me. Yes, this fear's got a hold on me. Yeah. Huh. Quite ironic me singing this song when I talk to you a lot about just releasing that fear. I love the quiet of the night time. When the sun is drowned in a deathly sea. I really do. Feel my heart beating as a speed song. The sense of time catching up with me. The sky set out like a pathway. I love the words. But who decides which route we take? Well, that would be you and me. As people drift into a dream world I 
close my eyes as my hand's shaking Will I see a new day? Who's driving this anyway? I picture my own grave Whoa, this fear's got a hold on me Feeling a bit scared tonight? <laughs> yes, this fear's got a hold on me Yes, this fear's got a hold on me Yes, this fear's got a hold on me. Yes, this fear's got a hold on me. Oh, right. I'm going to leave it there. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Give Gav the love. Give him plenty stars. He's a star in my eyes. I'm sure he's a star in many, many other people's too. But most importantly, I hope he knows deep down that he's a star. And I hope you do too, because we're all freaking awesome. And we just need to release that. The mojo's still in there, I promise you. Sometimes you just gotta wake up. Mwah.